You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Just to give you a bird's eye view of what's, uh, what happened over the past week, we've, um, we've actually talked about the Christian's character. Everybody knows about the Beatitudes. Remember the Beatitudes? Okay. Blessed are those what, who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, um, the merciful. You are blessed and also the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and the persecuted, right? Why? Because your reward is in heaven. Amen. Okay, you're already blessed. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, you are already blessed. And that, that is what is expected of us. If, if you are a disciple of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a Christian, God expects us to be this, to have the character of the Beatitudes, right? Secondly, we've also talked about the Christian influence, okay? We've talked about the salt. We are the salt and light. Of the earth. We all know this, right? Why? Because we affect change. We, we cannot hide light from darkness, right? So, no matter how dark the world may be, our light shines forth as a Christian. And that is seen in our lives, our example, in our deeds. Thirdly, we talked about the Christian's righteousness, okay? The Christian righteousness. Remember that Jesus says that I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, right? Why? Because nobody can fulfill the requirement of the law. Nobody can be holy and righteous before God that Jesus had to come and say, hey, I'm your righteousness. So we've, we've studied that. We've studied the law. Remember that? Jesus compared the law. And then right now, you know, this is how we should do it. It's not about murder, but it's anger. It's not about adultery. It's about lust. You all remember this, right? And we cannot really fulfill this unless Jesus Christ steps in and he fulfills it. He justifies us. So we have now his righteousness. Now, today, we're going to talk about the Christian motivation, okay? Everybody say motivation. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, and then we'll skip a few verses. We're going to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. Verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. In verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy, like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. Their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret 
will reward you. Let's just bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we only ask that you enlighten our minds and our hearts. Lord, we ask that you will reveal, Lord God, your heart for this message. Lord, bless the preaching of your word and bless all the people who will receive it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look to our main text today, what Jesus really mentions is, is actually a Christian spiritual discipline. Okay? How many of you love discipline in your life? All right. Nobody, nobody likes that discipline, all right? Have a hard time uh, disciplining my, my daughter just to get her up every day, every morning. I have a difficult time of dragging her out of the bed. You know, I tried the kissing method, it doesn't work. I tried the tickle method, it doesn't work. I tried, you know, you know uh, the tapping method, it does not work. Discipline is so hard for her, sometimes I want to give up. But how many of you know that discipline is very important? And you see, a Christian without spiritual discipline is going to end up nowhere. That's the reality. And what Jesus mentions in our scripture are spiritual disciplines that we need to understand and consider. As in the days of Jesus, there are many things that the Jewish people did as a religion. Okay? So Jesus expected that his disciples today will do the same. Namely this, giving, praying, and fasting. Those three things. If you think about it, the Jewish nation did a lot of these things. But Jesus now coming in redefines the way a disciple should be. Not the way that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the teachers of the law were doing in the past. He redefines it in such a way that all of us, even today, so how many disciples of Jesus do we have here? That's all of us, right? So that we ourselves can understand that these are very important spiritual disciplines that we need to look at. If you gather giving, praying, and fasting, it only talks about one word. And the word is called piety. Okay, everybody say piety. Piety simply means this. It is a religious duty. Okay, it's a religious duty. In other words, it is a, a, a Christian's devotion. Okay, that's our devotion to the things of God. In ancient Judaism, there were, you know, these, these were very important practices that they named this uh, the pillars of Judaism. These are called the pillars of Judaism. So giving, praying, fasting were pillars. In other words, they were very important stuff that a, a person or a Jewish person should do in their life. Now Jesus comes and reinterprets that. He comes down and redefines that, changes everything. And the, question, uh, and, and the question is, why did Jesus mention about this word? Secret. Why should it be done all now in secret? Okay? That's a big question we need to ask ourselves today. Why? Because if you look at what Jesus taught in chapter 5, the, the earlier verse, and then look at our verse today, it's kind of you know, going against each other. What am I saying here? What I'm saying is that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, in the earlier verse, in the earlier chapter, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, so first, he, he says for us to let our light shine, meaning let us display now our good works so that it can give glory to God. But yet, 
as we read in our text today, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness, meaning your good works, before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So on one hand, Jesus says, He's saying to make your good works be known to man. It has to be public. On the other hand, He's saying He's warning us not to show our good works. So, Lord, are you contradicting what you're saying? That's a tension we need to understand right now. Amen. So that is the biggest question mark that we need to answer. In other words, what does Jesus really mean? Lord, do you want us to be a obvious, an obvious Christian? Or do you want us to be a secret Christian? Lord, what do you want us to be? Uh, you want us to be obvious? I want to be salt and light of the world? Or do you want me to do things in secret? So that's what we'll discover today. Okay, so let's take a closer look in our verse. So the Bible says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. If you get the word beware, okay, beware used in this verse in Greek is prosisheti, okay, which also means be careful. In other words, it is a warning, okay? If you are a driver and you're going through a street and then you see there, um, uh, slippery when wet. You know it's a sign that warns you, right? So it's kind of like that. Jesus now gives us a warning sign. Yeah, you can go do, you can go through the road, but you gotta watch out. That's what Jesus is saying. What's interesting about this is that among all the teachings that Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount, this is the only time that Jesus gives this warning. It was usually, you know. Uh, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. That's what Jesus would always say, right? But this time he says, be careful. It's interesting. Among all the things that he has taught, this time he says, you need to be careful this time. And he says, beware, be careful of practicing your righteousness. And righteousness there, it's hard to pronounce the, the Greek word, but the Greek word means righteous duty. It says, be careful of practicing your righteous duty. To make it very simple, the New Living Translation puts it this way. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will, what? Lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Now, what does we, Jesus really saying? Lord, do you want us to be obvious or do you want us to be secret? Okay? So the thing is, there are two, there are two different situations. If you look at chapter 5 okay, of Matthew, okay, it only means influence. When it comes to our influence in the world, Jesus is saying that we, if you are a Christian, you ought to influence the world. You're not to be influenced by the world. Are you here? You understand. Why? Because Christians, as Christians, we stand for the gospel truth. We do not compromise our Christianity. We do not compromise what is right. We stand for what is right, what the gospel says. And that is what Jesus is saying. But when it comes now to doing good works, He says we need to be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Now, why? The question is why? Because 
It exposes the most deceitful part of the human body. Yes, Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it. It's about the heart. The issue is about the heart. In other words, it exposes our, what we call our, our motive. It is our motive, okay? The Greek word for motive is movere, which means what moves you. The Apostle Paul says, um, the love of Christ moves me or compels me to preach the gospel. It is the love of Christ that moves I think uh, what Jesus is trying to say in our verse is this. We need to weigh what is in our hearts. If you are a Christian today and you are claiming or you're sure that you are a disciple of Christ, and any Christian work that we do, we need to weigh our hearts. When we do Christianity, we must always check what's in our hearts. In other words, why do we do what we do? Okay? Or, why do we give, why do we pray, and why do we fast? What actually moves you to do these things? Amen. That's what we'll be tackling today. Amen? Haba, no? Yeah. But anyway, what moves you to give? You see, the, the definition of giving is the act of passing something or someone to another person or, or an organization according to your resource. So that's, for example, um, I give, uh, I give uh, money, right, to the foundation. Okay, like uh, real life, you know, you can give, okay? You can give money, you can give goods like your car. You can give your car, you can give your house. Uh, yeah, you're excited about that, me too. But also you can give your service, Right? How many volunteers do we have in the house? You can give your service. But question is, why do you really give? What moves you to give? You know, I've, I've um, I stumbled into a research according to the Council for Adv- Advancement and Support of Education. They made a study, and the top reasons why people give, I will only give you one, okay? The number three, okay? This is a lot. But number three is interesting. They found out that this is the reason, or one of the reasons why people give. It says that it reinforces our self-perception and makes us feel like big shots. Huh? Right? It makes us feel, you know, we're somebody. Correct? Truth be told, many of us want that recognition, right? I mean, think about it. Think about it. You are working in this company you did everything you can, and you know you, you actually solved the biggest problem of the company, and nobody, not even your boss, recognized what you've done. How do you feel? Or probably you are one of the volunteers, okay? And then Pastor Ariel, Pastor Ariel was not able to recognize your work. How would you feel? Truth of the matter is all of us, truth be told, all of us, we are looking to be recognized. We have um, Employee of the Year awards. Remember that? We have um, plaques of appreciation. In fact, I, I do have plaques of appreciation or recognition. 
How about, you know, sponsor or donor names? You all know what I'm talking about, right? What about the projects that you see around the construction of a road? And you'll, you'll, find, you'll find it, uh, it says there, this project was made through the efforts of congressman so-and-so, mayor so-and-so. You know what I'm talking about, right? People love the recognition. Now, there's nothing wrong. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong if you are honored. That's okay. In fact, the Bible says to give honor to where honor is due. But Jesus mentions here two things. There's, there is a wrong way and a right way when we give. That's what Jesus is saying. Let's look at it. This is what they said. Giving not only makes us feel good, it also makes us, what? Look good. And we're all concerned with what people think about us. That's according to their study. But this is what Jesus is trying to say. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, in some commentaries, they literally think okay, that the sounding of the trumpet okay, was a practice in the Jewish nation. In other words, it's, it's kind of like this. Um, maybe in, just to, for you to relate, it's like having a, a relief effort. Remember, uh, typhoon victims, calamity victims, you come in there with all those cars, the vans, the trucks, and all those big banners with the heart that says, you know, heart operation, operation whatever, operation blessing. We all have them. And they sort of like sound the trumpet, okay? Like a megaphone that says, you know, pila uh, you know, fall in line, we're going to give out the goods, we're here to give out the goods. And in those days, that's how they have perceived this. That's why Jesus was saying, when you give to the needy, do not sound the trumpet. Why? Because it's the wrong way. He warns them, do not announce to the public that you're here to give to the poor, to the needy. And in essence, it's just like saying, hey, look at me. I'm here. Look how merciful I am. Look, uh, uh, I'm so caring and giving. I'm here to help you. Kind of like, you know, uh, those promises before election. That's why Jesus does when you give to the Don't sound the trumpet as the hypocrites do. You know, actually, the word hypocrite was actually not a bad thing. It is a Greek word for actor. If you're an, a- if you're an actor during that time, you're called a hypocrite. Hey? <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Bodhi. You're a hypocrite. Sorry, sorry, bro. But think about it. It's, it's, yeah, that's it. That's it. The hypocrite, why? Because they wore a mask. They, they are not the real thing. They're, they're just there, you know, trying to pretend to be somebody they're not. That's why Jesus was saying, do not go announcing that you're coming, give to the needy, show the public that you're somebody you're not. Why? Because he says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And you know what's their reward? It's the plaque. That's it. And maybe some applause. Mabuhay! Si Mayor. And that's it. Or maybe, you know, you're in public news. This so-and-so guy gave to this. Great. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you want that? You got it. That's all you're going to receive. That's your reward. I like what 
um, Theresa Lloyd wrote in her book. She co-authored a book called Richer Lives, Why Rich People Give. She says that it kind of loops back to our egos and the need to feel important. Self-importance shows a lot about who we are. It shows the ego, the pride, the self-exaltation that we want. We want that recognition. And these are wrong motives to giving. That's what Jesus is trying to say. That's why truly I say to you, you have received your reward. It's an earthly reward. And it's temporary and it gets destroyed after a while. So the question is, what's the right way? Well, Jesus says in the following verse, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will what? Reward you. You know, I have always thought Jesus to be a serious guy. I mean, think about that. Jesus did the miracles, right? And then he taught the disciples. And man, the wealth of wisdom and how he moves. A serious guy. But I could not imagine that just now, okay? Just now I realized that he is, he's a comedian. And think about it. He says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's kind of like saying, Lord, are you saying that my hands have a mind of its own? It's really funny. But what does he really mean by this? You see, Jesus is saying that when we give, first of all, is to do it in secret. Others do not have to know your good deeds. Do not look for the applause of men. But when Jesus says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, it means this. Don't tap yourself on the back. Don't look for the applause of yourself. In other words, don't look to gratify yourself. Sometimes we, you know, you know how it is. And guys, there's nothing wrong with giving. It really feels good. In fact, scientifically, if you give, we have our hormones released that dopamine. It makes you really happy, right? But that's not to be the motive. That's not what Jesus is saying. Okay? Don't let that. Don't let that make you. Give because you want to tap on the back. Carol Riley or Carol Ryrie Brinks says this. She says that the most truly generous persons are those who give silently without hope of praise or reward. And I was reading this, I was thinking, you know, that's true because all praises and all glory goes to God, right? So why get the praise? Better get the reward. Right? I'd rather get the reward than the praise. But men want the praise. People like the applause. But the good news is this. Jesus said, And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Why? Because God is always watching you. He sees all that you're doing. He sees all your action. He sees what's in your heart. He knows even before you ask, He knows what's on your mind and what's in your heart. And the great, great news about this is this, that the source of our reward is not in the hands of any human being. It is in the hands of the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, and we call Him our Father. Why? Because 
Think about this. If you're going to receive your reward from a human being, it's going to be limited. It's going to be temporary. And it will, it's definitely flawed. Kind of like, you know, receiving those, those, uh, those awards as, uh, uh, we had that issue that Miss Universe thing, right? One day says, you know, uh, Miss Universe goes to this. Oops, I made a mistake. It's another person. Kind of like that, right? You don't want that to happen. But the great thing about this, your reward is with the Almighty God. He's divine. And guess what? When He rewards you, it is so satisfying and can go eternal. That's a good thing, right? Amen. So again, let me ask you this question. What moves you? What moves you? What moves you also to pray? What moves you to pray? Why do you pray? You know, back in college, uh, my friends and I, we were like the rowdy bunch. Hate to admit it, but before I got saved, before I became a Christian, yeah, we were the rowdy bunch. And we're not the type to go to chapel services in the morning. You all, you all remember in college, yes, we have chapel services in the morning. We don't want to go there. We don't even pray. We don't want to pray. We're not the praying type. But there are only two reasons why you, you know, if, uh, well, there will be two reasons when you see us there. The first reason is this. We desperately need the help of God for our exams. That's the first reason. True. Amen, right? <laughs> and, and here's the second reason. Okay, the why we're there to pray. Okay? Because we want to impress a girl. And you see, it's about the motivation. What moves you to do what you're doing? And Jesus, again, gives us a contrast between the wrong way and the right way of praying. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Again, the hypocrites. Okay, the actors <laughs> in Greek. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. You know what? Jesus took prayer as a serious matter that he made sure okay, that his disciples, including you and me, okay, he gave us a model of how to pray. It's called the Lord's Prayer, right? But we're not going to take it up today. It's going to be next week. It's going to be next week. Everybody say next week. So tell your neighbor, got to be here next week. If you want to find out how to pray. You know, it was, very, it was very important to Jesus. Prayer is a very important thing for Jesus because it was for this reason why He came here on earth. Because we know that prayer is our communication to God, right? But the reality is that that communication was severed and there's a big gap. There's a communication gap. That's why Jesus came. That's why he was thinking, hey, wait a minute. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to leave my disciples and they're not understanding how to pray, then that's a problem. Because prayer is so important. It's the very reason why Jesus came. He wanted to bridge the gap between God and man, so that you and I, we can communicate to God through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus was trying to say. He wanted to bridge his gap. That's why prayer is so important. This is the first, the very first record of Jesus talking about prayer. And there is a wrong way. He says, do not be like the hypocrites. 
who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners to pray so that people can see them. You know, it was thought back in those days, okay, if you are a Jew, it was thought, okay, if you were in the synagogue or in a public place of worship, okay, and if you are a Pharisee, a scribe, you know, they thought that you were holy, you were of the divine, you are, you are heavenly man, you are, you are a godly man if you are seen in the synagogues standing and praying. But yet Jesus warns all of us to be careful not to be like them because they're there so that, you know, they're there so that they can get the praises of men. So instead of loving prayer, no, no, no. They didn't love prayer. They only prayed so that people could love them. It was totally opposite. They're wanting something else. It was never about God. It was never about the communication to God. They've actually missed the whole point. They just did religious activities and miss God. That's what Jesus is trying to say. You missed it. Don't be like them. And when you pray, again, he continues, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. You know, I, I, I grew up in a, in, in a very prayerful family. It's a religious family. Every week we have that prayer, Black Saturday. And you know, I, I was always made to lead it. And I had to kneel down. I have to Recite all the prayers. You know, the same prayer. I don't know. I don't remember, even remember if it was 10 times, the same prayer every single time. It was just like very repetitive. And I was thinking, God, you know, aren't you, aren't you tired of listening to the same kind of prayer and praying every time? And you see, this is what Jesus is trying to say. We keep on praying and babbling and saying, you know, hey, you know, these are the many words I'm saying to you. Lord, listen to me. No, God knows. God already knows what's happening in our lives. You know, Jesus also told a parable. Remember this parable of the Pharisee and a scribe? Remember this? The Pharisee was standing in the public place, in the synagogue, and this is what he said. God, I thank you that I am not like any other man, an extortionist, unjust, adulterer, even this tax collector, I'm not like him. I fast twice a week, and I give my tithes. Just like today, I give my tithes. That's all, I, you know, that's, all, that's all I do for you. And then in Luke, actually, this is in Luke 18, the tax collector, notice the word, says, standing far off. In other words, he was far away from public view. He would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. And this is what he said. He beat his breast. He's saying, God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. In that story, we have heard Jesus, you know, looked at the heart of this man. So it's not the many prayers, not the eloquent, beautiful words that we can display. But God looks at our hearts. Truth is, God knows what we need even before we ask, right? I like what Victor Hugo says, God knows better than we do what we need. I love that. So question once again, what moves you? What moves you to fast? You know, biblical fasting is this, actually. It's abstaining from food, from drink, even from sleep, and even from sex. Okay, if you're married, okay. So to focus on a period of spiritual growth, specifically, okay, specifically 
we humbly deny something of the flesh to glorify God, enhance our spirit, and go deeper in our prayer life. Okay? In the Old Testament days, they would declare fasting. Why? Because probably they've sinned against God, and God is judging them, Israel, so they fast. They put on sackcloth and ashes, and then you know, they repent before God. Okay? Fasting was a way that they could come and say, God, I'm sorry, I repent. In the New Testament days, in, in fact, in the time of Paul, the apostles and disciples after Jesus left, fasting was still being done. And why? Because they wanted to find out the will of God, the plan of God. And even today, in victory, in fact, the whole every nation churches, we fast. How many of you join our fast every year? But all of us, every single year, at the start of the year, the beginning of the year, in January, we fast. We fast. At the middle of the year, we also fast. And this is not because we want to show the world that, hey, you know, victory and every nation, we're the good guys. <laughs> we're the holy people. <laughs> we're, not, we're not saying that. But it's the sincere asking, God, what do you want us to do this year? Lord, we're seeking you. Help us to understand your will for us as a church. That's what we do. But Jesus warns us, that we can fast for the wrong reason. See, there is a wrong way and there is a right way, as Jesus explains to us. He says that when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, the actors of Greek. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. You know, the Pharisees, what they did, they took away fasting. In a different manner. I mean, it's a different, it's a different understanding about fasting. What well, was supposed to be a humbling and asking God for forgiveness and help, it became for their own self-exaltation. They literally actually disfigured their face. They would rub ashes so that you will not even recognize who they are. And then all the people of Israel would say, wow, they're like holy so, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the idea of a Pharisee. They would rub their face. They would look, you know, as if, you know, they're poor, they're, they're humbling themselves. But the reality is, the reality is, they were hypocrites. They put on the mask. They were not the person that the, the nation of Israel were looking at. They were a different person. And Jesus says, we need to be careful. How about us? Why do you fast? And it's interesting, actually, uh, every year, uh, think about this. There are some, actually, who would come and say, you know, Pastor, uh, I love to fast because, you know, cleanse tayo. it's a cleansing system, right? You get, you know, you get uh, slim. It's, a, it's not about that, okay? So, those are only the fruits of it. But it's not about that. Again, what is your motive in fasting? But Jesus gives us the right way. He says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, take a bath. Hey, just kidding. That your, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. Fasting is done in secret. You know why? Because it is between you and God. You can actually look, at, you know, look as if you're fasting, and I'd say, wow, that guy's fasting. But at the end of the day, it's between you and God. 
when we fast, we deny our flesh. We deny, you know, all the all 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 this all these things, all, all these earthly desires, so that we can be attuned or sensitive with our God. Remember that God is spirit. And if we are to discern his will, if we are to discern his plan, his purpose for us, then we need to deny our flesh so that we can be more sensitive to God. That's why we fast. That's what we do every single year. That's why every nation and victory, we do that. We want to hear from God. Jesus says that God who sees you, whether in private or public, will know what is in your heart. And if it is done in secret, God will reward you. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So as I end, here's the question we need to ask ourselves. Who, what, when, and how do you want your reward? Who do you want to reward you? Men or God? What kind of reward do you want? The plaque? The applause of men? The publicity? The banners? When do you want this reward? Now? And how do you want your reward to be given? By God Himself in heaven or here on earth? You see, our reward may not be here in this world, but it will be far, far greater than any reward the world has to give us. And that's the beauty of being His disciples. Our reward is greater. As we live out to be like Jesus, whether in giving, whether in praying, whether in fasting, or with whatever things that you do as a Christian, here's my main point. Do the right thing, in the right way, for the right reasons. Amen? Say that with me again. Do the right thing, in the right way, for the right Last time. Do the right thing. Amen. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And we give God a big hand. It is all for the glory of God. You know, I was, just, I was just praying, Lord, how do I end this preaching? And he made, me, he made me understand His Son, our Lord Jesus. You know, our Lord Jesus did the right thing in the right way for the right reason. And that right reason is not even for the reward. Jesus came and died here on earth on the cross not expecting any reward from any of us. But He just did it. Why? Because He wanted to obey. He wanted to glorify His Father. There's no reward that He was asking for. And it shows how much God loves us. You know, if God loves us this much that He not, has not expected any reward from any of us, isn't that amazing if we just come and say, God, I'm, you know, I want to surrender everything to you. I don't want the glory. I don't want the praise of men anymore. I don't want anything to do with this world. I just want to say thank you, Lord God, 
because you came to die for us without asking for any reward, but only to glorify the Father. If you are a disciple of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, that should be our attitude. Even if we don't receive the reward, but if it brings glory and honor to our God, it's more than enough. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand right now. Can we just worship God? Say, just lift it up all before God. Can we all lift up our hands before our Holy Father? Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, that that you did not expect anything out of us. There was no reward. Lord Jesus, you just did it for us. So Lord, we stand before you tonight and surrender to you everything. Lord, what we think was right for us, what we think, you know, we need all the recognition and all. And anything at all that the world is offering right now for our reward, we surrender it to you. And we come to you in sweet surrender and say, God, thank you for dying for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Lord, we just want to worship you. We give our hearts to you, Lord God. Can we just all lift up our hands, our our hearts to him and say, God, this is my heart. I surrender my heart to you. It's yours.